Um, my name is Dana Cochran, and um, this class is on making all feel welcome. Are you guys at the right one? All right, fantastic. Um, well, I was wondering if you remember uh, the last time you walked into a place that was first unfamiliar and then you didn't think that you, you were going to know anybody. You didn't know the people you were coming in. So can you, can you recall that in your mind, a place that you went that was unfamiliar and that you didn't know anybody, anybody there? And then I want you to think about, did any of these thoughts, any of these questions cross your mind? I wonder if there will be anyone here that is like me. Or will I fit in? Or will I meet anyone that I like? Or maybe like if they really knew who I am or what I've done, will they accept me? Or what if they don't like me? Or will I like this? Well, if the people that walk through, did, did any of you, if you think about that, did any of those thoughts cross your mind when you walked into an unfamiliar place? Because almost all those cross my mind when I walk into a place. Like, you know, I, am I going to fit here? You know, I, I just, those are the kind of things I think. And will anybody like me? And will I like them? And so I guess I think if I have those thoughts going through my mind, I'm guessing that the people that walk through our doors of our churches on either Saturday or Sunday on the weekend have a lot of those same thoughts going through their mind too. Uh, Graham Cook once said that the church is designed to be a redeemed community in a reconciled society and the only organization on earth that exists for the benefits of its non-members. Right? The only organization on earth that exists for the benefit of its non-members. That's what the church is for. The church is for the people that haven't yet walked through our doors in many ways. Right? If our, if our job is to be witnesses throughout the earth and to make disciples and to tell people the good news that don't yet know it, then that's what our, that's who we need to be thinking about. But, but for me, isn't it true that a lot of the times we forget to think like that? And we forget that if we're truly building bridges from our community into our churches, that we have to spend a great deal of time thinking about the people who have yet to walk through our doors. Are there ways and are there things that we can do, ways that we can welcome them in such a way that it will alleviate the concerns and the questions that I first asked you about when you walk into an unfamiliar place? And maybe, just maybe, that is what Paul was saying uh, when he, uh, in, in 1 Corinthians 9, when it said, I have become all things 
to all people so that by all possible means I might save son, some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. I do all this for the sake of the gospel. It's not to build our church. It's not to have more people in the seats, in the pews. It's for the sake of the gospel. And the benefit is that we get to share in those blessings. That's amazing. Well, let me open us with a a word of prayer. So, Lord, thank you that... Our churches, our places of worship, that they exist for those that are not yet members. Thank you, Lord, that you have given us the privilege and the opportunity to build bridges. So, Lord, would you make us bridge builders in our cities, in our churches, in our neighborhoods, so that we might be able to share the gospel and to experience the blessing of that, Lord. Lord, give us new thoughts today. Lord, we're yours. We worship you. We love you. We surrender to you, God. We just want to do, Lord, what's on your heart and what you're inviting us into. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, like, so I said before, my name's Dana, and uh, I have had the opportunity to be thinking about these questions for the last, I don't know, seven, ten years. I've lost track. Uh, I've been in charge of guest experiences in two different churches, one of of about 5,000 and one of about 500. And um, I'm currently on pastoral staff at People's Church down in Cincinnati. And, uh, uh, And I get to think about making all feel welcome and honestly for me um, that has become even more interesting because on any given weekend at at the church that I serve at People's Church uh, we have about 30 different nationalities walk through our doors and so that has opened up a whole new way of thinking for me that has been really fun and really challenging and and paradigm shifting for me So I want to be thinking all the time is truly, truly, how do we make all people feel welcome? And and it's kind of funny because I think this was talked about in the assimilation track. And we don't, at People's Church, we don't really use the word assimilation because assimilation has the connotations that you're trying to take a person and make them think and do like you do. Instead, we use the word inclusion. We want to be inclusive because what we want to do is we really want to celebrate all the differences that we bring to our table and that that's really, really significant to us. And, uh, and that's, it's really fun. So today I'm going to talk about uh, creating first impressions for our, our guests and building a team that can make all feel welcome and then training your team to create bridges and love people. So when we think about those first impressions, um, in this day um, and era, actually a lot of our first impressions start by our social media and our websites. And um, if we're in charge of those areas of guest experiences, we might not be in charge of those things. I'm certainly not. 
But I get to think about those things. And I get to raise those kind of questions. So when we're thinking about what kind of um, impression that we're trying to make for our first time guests, we want to think about who are the kinds of people, what are the faces that they're seeing on our websites and on our social media, right? So are they seeing diverse ages? Are they seeing diverse colors of skin? Are they seeing people with disabilities? And um, our, our mission statement is that we are a, um, a generationally rich, re racially reconciling church that's thriving in the heart of the city. So for us, we really want a huge diversity of ages and, um, and abilities and colors of skin. And so if that's important, then first and foremost, that needs to be on our, our social media. And again, I, I, don't have, I don't have authority over that, but I can ask questions. And, and raise issues, um, bring awareness to. The other first impression um, is either in your parking lot or at your front doors. So again, who are your first time guests seeing as they walk in the doors? So, so for example, um, when I first came and started overseeing uh, guest experiences at People's Church, what I noticed is that we have, um, you know, just like we have an English-speaking service, and we also have two language-speaking services. One would be Amharic for Ethiopians and Eritreans, and then one would be Spanish um, for any of our Latino uh, friends. And so we have two entrances. One is on the third floor, and then one's on the first floor. It's, it's a really confusing building. Um, but what we do have happening is a lot of our Ethiopian and Eritrean friends, guests, enter in on the first floor. And I never noticed, actually, if I started noticing, wait, we don't have any Ethiopian or Eritreans on our guest experience team. And that just seems odd, like, huh. And so I started asking about that, and I said, we need, we need some, of, some Ethiopians and Eritreans on our team so that when our Ethiopian and Eritrean guests come, they think, oh, there's somebody like me here. And that feels comforting. And so um, that started happening, so that, but it, was, it hasn't been easy, but um, I'm kind of persevering. So uh, I, we have a few people like that. And another thing we started doing is we actually just started training some of our um, guest experience team how to welcome people in that language. Because when you're around, you know how when you're around different groups of people, sometimes you can start noticing, oh, that person, I bet you is Ethiopian. And so we just learned how to do simple greetings in, in Amharic, which was made, I think, and people would look at me like, especially the kids, like, what are you, wait a minute, <laughs> how do you know that? And, um, and that's been really fun. And like on special holidays, we'll have them say a greeting in that language. So just trying to break down some of the walls that we have. Um, so tomorrow I have an experiment that I want you to do when you go back to your churches. I want you to imagine yourself as a first-time guest. 
I just want you to look at your environment with really, really fresh eyes. And then I want you to notice the composition of your, um, your first impressions, guest experience, hospitality, whatever you call them. Those people that greet at the front doors and welcome new guests. I want you to just notice the composition of those, of those people. And I just want you to notice when you walk in, what would it feel like if, if, this, if this was the first time I came? And even a, a, just as a better maybe experiment is to, in the next few weeks, if you can, go to a different place, a different church, and then just notice, just start noticing, what are they doing to make me feel welcome? What are the kind of things, or, you know, or how could they improve, or whatever? But do that. It, it will be a really interesting. Uh, at the, the other church that I worked at, we had a new guy come on staff. This was years ago. And one of the things he did is he took, um, he took his phone, a camera, and he started, he, he walked in and videoed what it was like. And then at the next um, staff meeting, he showed that thing. And we're like, oh my gosh. And you just realize, because we're so used to the culture and the environment that we forget. And so that was a really interesting thing. So that might be something you might want to do too. And I do just want to invite, if anybody has any questions along the way, I know you guys have had a lot of people talking at you. So if you have questions or you have comments or you want to insert some of your thoughts, ideas, totally open to that, okay? So, um, so thinking about the guests, what they're experiencing, now I want us to kind of think about our guest experience team. And I, I ha I'm a firm believer that I want to teach our guest experience team more about principles than just tasks. Because our role um, uh, at the front doors and just greeting people can some kind of be can tend to be a little bit task-oriented. You might have people that make coffee. You might have people that open the front doors. You might have people that hand out um, bulletins or programs or find people a seat. Um, and so it can kind of be task-oriented. But if you can think more on guiding principles, then when they have different things happen you know, that you don't expect, if you have people thinking the principle of it, then they'll be able to accommodate to the different situations that might happen. So does that make sense? So not just the what, you want to teach people not just the what to do, but the why behind it. So one of our um, guiding principles or core values on the guest experience team um, is the well-known story of the prodigal or the son that returns home and the father. And so you know that's found in Luke 15. I'm just going to read it real quickly to you. It starts in verse 11. And it said, um, Jesus said, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate. And so he divided his property between them. And not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a dist distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he'd spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired, out, hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? 
and here I'm starving to death. So I'll set out, go back to my father, and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up went and went off to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. And the son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. So when I think about that parable and when I teach it to my team and my new um, team members, I like to encourage them to insert themselves into that parable. So I like to, them to imagine first what it would like, what it have been like to be the returning son. I mean, imagine him walking up that long, that long road and the thoughts that were going through his mind. What, what do you think he might have been feeling or thinking as he walked up that road? Hoping, hoping don't turn me away. Yeah. Hope he doesn't reject, he's not rejected. Yeah. Anything else? Well, I would have felt embarrassed. Would you have felt shame because you went out with all this money and you're coming back begging <laughs> to have a thing? I would have embarrassed. I think I would have felt, yeah, I would have felt shame. I would have felt fear. I mean, there's a lot of thoughts I would have felt, I think, walking up that, a longing, a longing to be loved again. Yeah, a, long, a longing to be welcomed. All those things. And then I asked, I ask my team, I want you now to insert yourself and pretend that you are the father. And I love how they said that while he was still a long way off. So what I imagine in my mind, I don't know if you've ever had a child that was lost, but think about that. I mean, I, I haven't, but, well, not physically lost, but anyway, um, that's another story. But, but can you imagine if I were a father or a mother and my child was gone, I would probably go to the front door multiple times a day. I don't, he said, they said he went to a distant country. And so you wonder, how's he doing? Um, will he ever come home? Is he alive? Is he okay? So all those thoughts as the father, and, and I can just imagine, I, I hope, I would love for him to come. I would, I would do anything for my child to come home or to get word from my child. I would do anything. So, so it says, while he, he was a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. And I have a feeling that moment when, his, when the father finally saw his son and thinking, is that my son? Because it was a long way off. Oh, that looks like my son. And all of a sudden, he probably he ran, said he ran out. And I bet at that moment, he could have cared less where his son had been what his son had done, it didn't matter to that father. All that mattered was he had come back, and he was home, and he got to touch him and see him and feel him. That is what my, I want 
my guest experience team to feel when they see people walking through the door. I want them to realize first that they have no idea what people are walking in with. They have no idea the feelings. Those people might be feeling shame. They might be feeling fear. They might be, they, they probably have all those feelings. I mean, we have people walk through our door that are homeless, that are addicted to drugs, that have things going on in their families that I'm not privy to. All those things are happening. But I want them to know that as soon as they walk through those doors, that you know what? We have been waiting and praying that they would come. And we don't care what's in their past or what's in their present. We are just honored and blessed that they are here right now. So can you see that if our team members have those thoughts in their mind, that it will inform everything else that they do. It will dramatically change the way they give a bullet to a, per to a person. I can remember um, there was a woman that was going um, through, had gone through a really, really terrible divorce. And she was all alone. She felt very alone. And she said, so I would come to this church and honestly, coming into this church with lots of people sometimes made me feel more alone mm -hmm. because I realized that I wasn't connected. But she said there was this one man. His name was Bob. And, and she always came in the same door into the, to the sanctuary. And Bob would stand there. And he, every time he said, she said he would look at me and he'd see all, he'd be all one. Because like, we, would, we would hold up, you know, see like how many... One, and her name was Bonnie, and she'd say, yeah. And so he'd go, okay, come on down, and he'd find a seat. And she said, sometimes I'd have one of those weeks where I thought that Bob, the, we called him Bob the Usher, Bob the Usher was the only one that acknowledged and recognized me and cared that I was there. And it made all the difference in the world. And so... Let me tell you on a practical level how that plays out. So when a first-time guest comes through our doors, and you can usually tell, right, uh, when a first-time guest walks through your doors, because they walk in usually, and there's a little bit of a deer in the headlight. Like they walk in, especially if it's a, a confusing building like both churches that I worked at were. And so they'd walk in the door, and you kind of just, you can tell, oh, Okay, that might be a first-time guest. And, um, and so I want them, and I want to train our team, that, they, that you, I want you to think, this is the only person in the earth right now that matters to me. This is my person, this is my family, and all my attention is, is towards them. So... In our teams, we actually cross-train people so that let's say a person walks in, there's somebody greeting, and we have another person that we call a connector. And the connector's job is to connect with that new person and then help them navigate the building, help them get to where they need to go, and have conversation with them along the way. So if these people walk in the, the, uh, the door, and you could tell they're new, and you say, hi, is, can I help you find anything? As, you know, 
um, how long have you been coming to People's Church? And, um, and then they'll tell you, oh, this is my first time. Great. And if they have children, for example, the connector will let the, uh, the greeter know, hey, I'm going to go help this family. Goes up with the family. Um, when we're walking up the stairs to the second floor where our children's ministry is, I try to find out the children's names and the ages of the children. I'm trying to make connections with them. Get them up to the second floor. Help the, and I stay with them. And they're, oh, you can go. No, no. It's my job that, to get you where you need to go. So I stay with them, and I train our team to stay with them. And they get all the kids connected and put in their different rooms. And then you take them up to the sanctuary. In the way I'm engaging with dialogue with them. Hi, what part of town are you from? How did you hear about People's Church? Tell me a little bit about you. And I'm having this conversation, just try to break down the walls. Another thing that I've really found important is that I don't want the only connection to be with me. And so even as I'm going through and as I'm about to enter the sanctuary with these people, this, this, these new guests, I'm going to try to connect them with some other people. I might think about um, age, you know, like if it's a, a, young, a young person, I might try to do another college age student or something like that, or a, a single mom or what, I, but I try to just think about those things of how can I help them make connections, as many connections I can before they even sit down. And then after church, I'm going to try to go back around and, and either ask somebody that I connected with them, hey, would you check with that person after church and see if they're doing okay, if they need anything? Or I'll have one of our team members try to do that. But again, I'm just trying to have this interaction and dialogue with them and help connect them as well as I can. Okay? Any questions, thoughts, wonderings right now? So um, I'm going to switch over to creating our team then. And I want you to think about your team right now. Are, how many of you guys are either in charge of your um, hospitality guest experience team? or Maybe I should have asked why you came to this. I'm on the team. You're on the team? She's my boss. Over there. Used to be, not anymore. <laughs> I actually look at her as a boss. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Jackie, I thought Jackie was going to be okay. Oh, excellent. Thank you. Yes. Thank you for what you do. That's good. Because that's pretty scary to be a new person and then all of a sudden to let your kids be with total strangers. So you giving them confidence and making them feel safe is super important. Yeah, for sure. Um, also, when I think about developing our team. You know what, before I do that, I think I, since I'm realizing maybe I'm talking to a different, so what kind, when you came to this session, what kind of things were you wanting to have answered in your mind, just so that I can kind of switch up things if I need to? I was just thinking more tools. More. On Sunday okay. And really, when you had talked about the prodigal son, that person, I never thought about the people coming back to church. Mm. Or you know, to where coming on that Sunday is huge for them. Because mm -hmm. I'm always trying to be goofy or make sure I hold the door and just try to make people laugh. Where sometimes there might be somebody that, like, 
coming back after 10 years of not going to church and lived in hell in their mind and like walking up to church for them is huge. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, I never thought about that. Yeah, good, okay. Thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. Good. (laughs) And you know what? Maybe for them, having somebody that's fun and energetic is exactly what they need. Do you know what I mean? You're right, but I like the idea of also, because sometimes I might know just from, you know, not judging, but just knowing that this person is coming back. Mm -hmm. I've been at the same church for almost 14 years now, so. Yeah. I know a lot of people, and and I care. I want to see them all come back, not just laugh as they walk in. That's neat. That's good. I'm I'm happy to be a greeter, though. Good. It's like where God's called me right now, and that's weird to say, but. Well, I don't think it's weird. <laughs> well, it just seems such a lowly thing when I first got saved. I had to go big. Mm. Go right into being a missionary. Mm. Bible school the first year. And I should have done, I should have agreed it the first year. Maybe just settle down a little bit. Ah, uh, that's good. What other kind of wonderings when you came here did you want to hear about? All right. Well, then I'll just keep going. I just don't. I just don't want to just keep doing my thing. If you guys are in a different place. With me, um, I don't. I don't um, like greet out the door because I have immune system issues. So I don't. I try not to be in contact with too many people. Yeah. But I'm the person that checks in the children. That's so awesome. When a new person comes, I have to put their family in, get them set up with them to the church. So I guess I would be more interested in how I make the whole family feeling well, you know, from the kids up. Right. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, and again, so for me, on stuff like that, trying to capture their names and talk to them and, you know, is super important. I can remember one time a girl told me that she came back to church because I remembered her name. And I was probably one of the only people she said that remembered her name. I'm going, really? I mean, that to me is like so simple. I mean, well, you know. That's how my mom got yeah. So, I mean, little things that we don't think. So, you putting that family at ease and letting them feel safe and letting them know that we really care about your Your children aren't just coming to be, you know, cared for so you can go do the spiritual thing, but we're going to build into your family. That's a huge deal. Because a lot of times, the way to a parent's heart is through your kids. And there's lots of stories about parents not being really interested in church or God until their kids become, or their kids have a good. I've heard a lot of times kids dragging their parents to church. You know what I mean? Because they had such a great experience. So by the way you welcome them, by the way you love on them and, and make them feel important, it's a huge deal, and it, it does a lot for the parents, too. I have some kids I go pick up because their parents don't want to come to church, so I will go get the kid and bring them to church. Wow. Thank you for doing that. So think about what that child takes home. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So, so I want to um, switch a little bit to talking about the, the makeup of the team. And um, it used to be that I would think, I just need a warm body to open that door. You know what I mean? Like, I just need... But, um, but that's not true. Yes, they need to be warm and friendly and caring. But um, especially in the environment I'm in right now, I have to think about the kind of, 
the kind of church that we're building. So if you want a diverse church, whether it be socioeconomically diverse, um, culturally diverse, um, generationally diverse, then that should be the, the hospitality guest experience team should be a microcosm of what you want your big church to look like. So, so like we have pre-service meetings um, in, on our guest experience team. We meet about a half hour before, um, well, half hour to 45 minutes before. We, we share a little bit about our lives, what's going on in our lives. But we're also talking about important things that they need to know. I want them to be well equipped to answer questions from the people coming in our doors. Um, I want us to pray for our service and for the people that we walking through our doors. And I want to be able to assign people to different positions on the team so that um, it's not just all 60-year-old uh, white people at one door. And, you know what I mean? So I want, I'm trying to think, okay, I want a person of color. And I want uh, a person with my color skin tone. I want a 60-year-old and I want a 25-year-old. Do you know what I mean? So I'm trying to think about those kind of things all the time so it represents diversity. Um, I want a person in a wheelchair handing out programs because I want a person that's coming through that, that is, work, is, you know, has a disability to think, oh, there are other people like me here too and we're valued here. Do you know? So what we do on the guest experience team communicates huge, loud messages to the people walking through our door. And if you haven't read a book, there's a book called Empowering Leadership by a gentleman by the name of Michael Fletcher. And he talks about an, uh, a skill or an art called shoulder tapping. So, um, and I just want to really quickly talk about that. Um, so, First of all, I want you to imagine a team that you're on. If, if you're leading a team, great. If you're on a team, great. But I want you to think about your team. And then I want to think about what you, what you believe your church is trying to build. So if you're trying to build, um, like so in my instance, we're trying to build a, t a team that's racially reconciling, generationally rich. Okay? And so um, I'm... As I think about the team, I think, oh, like the other, like what I told you before, oh my gosh, I need some people that are Ethiopian and Etrurian. And so, Etrurian, yes, I think that's right. Um, Eritrean, sorry, Eritrean. And so, think about what kind of, what kind of needs you have. What are, the, what are the voids on your teams right now that you need to fill? And instead of just thinking about a warm body or the next person you can find, think about the ideal servant leader that you would need in that role. Okay? And, and when I'm doing that, I'm asking the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, would you bring across my mind people or, um, from all different parts of the body who would be a great fit? And I'm looking for the people that have the characteristics and the qualities and the talents that I'm going to need. Because for me, I ha and for all of us, we have to be intentional about building teams like heaven on earth. 
And the other thing I realized is that even on our teams, I cannot be the only one shoulder tapping. So sometimes what I'll do is I go to my team members and I'm all, hey guys, we need, we need several kinds of people to come and be on our team. Because I know a certain circle of people, but if I think about the other people that know circles of people, all of a sudden I've expanded the net, right? Sometimes I think we as leaders feel like we personally have to do all the recruiting. And that's not true. That's not even the best way. Um, because sometimes people will say yes to their friends if they have a friend that says, hey, would you come and, and serve with me or something or try this? I think you'd be great. Then you're all of a sudden expanding your net and you might get better success. And then we do this thing where we said, would you, let's say I see this person and I go up and I've noticed like, so for example, this is a little bit off, but for a while at another church, I was the children's pastor. Well, you know what? I don't like kids, um, <laughs> but, but I was a children's pastor because there was a need. So my senior pastor asked me to, for, he goes, would you for three months be the children's pastor, which ended up being three years. But I realized, you know what, I'm, I'm not even that great with kids. But you know what I did? I started to notice who was really great with kids. So I realized, see, I like adults, and I like training and equipping and casting vision to adults. So really all I had to do was find people that were great with kids, and then I could lead and vision cast to them. Right? So one of the things I noticed is I noticed that when, um, when you had adults coming in and dropping off their kids for, for um, Sunday school, if you, uh, I would notice, this, this was just one thing, but it worked. If you noticed that the adults got down low and looked face to face, that they understood kids in a way that, um, that others might not. And so then I started inviting them to consider being part of our children's ministry. And almost always, they were spectacular with them. And so, so that's the thing, is you have to become an identifier of people that be really good. So you walk, look around, and you think, oh, that person's smiling so much and engaging. Go, that person's so great. At, I just noticed how that person engages all these other people. Well, think about inviting them onto your team. Because if they're that way naturally, then they're going to be a, probably a really, really good fit on your team. And so when I find those people, then I say, hey, I, I notice that every time I see you around new people, you act like nobody's a stranger to you. You're so friendly to everybody. And you've got the best smile. Would you consider trying to first serve on the guest experience team? Just try it out for a time or two and see if that feels like a good fit. Because what I really want people to do, what we really want people to do, right, is to be in a role, a serving role, at their place of worship that they feel great about, that it taps into their passion and what makes them feel full of the Spirit of God. And so... Um, there was this one girl recently, and her name's Bethany, and she is just, her smile lights up the room, and she's so cute. And I said, Bethany, would you consider trying um, being part of the um, guest experience team? And she did, and she's 
amazing at it. She doesn't really like taking the offering. She doesn't like, yeah, but she loves to greet people at the door. So that's what I'm going to try to get her to do 80% of the time. Once in a while, I'm going to have to lean on her to take the offering because we're short of people. I don't know if you guys ever have that situation in your churches, but in our church, sometimes we're short of volunteers. Um, and so, but 80% of the time, I would do that. And I let her try it out twice. And each time I said, how did that feel to you? Did you like it? Um, yes, I loved it. And that's what she told me. I really like reading people. I don't like taking up the money. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to keep that into account. Perfect. And then you just invite them. And you just have them be part. And then after a few times, hey, would you like to do that more often? Our teams usually, I don't know about your teams, but our teams usually serve every other week. We like the continuity that provides, but it also gives them a time, too, to be able to come to church and not feel like they're serving, which is always a great thing for them to be able to do. Any questions about shoulder tapping? Okay. Then, so just the last thing, the, on your second piece of paper, um, I just gave you a couple examples of our, um, some of the training that we've developed. So, um, because another thing that sometimes we tend to do in churches, I believe, is that we invite people onto a team, and once they say yes, we kind of let them just go, right? All the time, okay, <laughs> yes. And, and so what's, what's better to do is to equip them so that they can thoroughly enjoy what they're doing, right? So, um, and the other thing is that when we're naturally gifted at something, we think it comes naturally to every single person. We think, oh, that's no big deal. Everybody knows to do that. Guess what? Not everybody knows how to do that. So I might know how to be friendly and to make people feel welcome. But if you ask me to organize an event or something like that that has all these administrative organizational things, or you put me in front of three or four spreadsheets, uh-uh, you know. Um, because that's not my natural gifting. So, um, so this is just like one of the things that we do when we're training people. And like I mentioned to you, we have different roles and we try to cross train everybody. So once a, once a year, we do like a refreshing course. And then when new people come on, the ideal would be just to go through all these things with them, maybe one a week or something like that. But, um, so like for greeting on this one, um, we gave them kind of a scripture, but you know, so we tell them what to do and then why. So wait expectantly for our guests. And then I tell them, remember the story of the prodigal son. The father was watching the horizon, waiting for his son to return. We in the same way are waiting for our guests to return home. You know, pray silently. Ask God to give you his heart for our guests and let that feeling shine through in your greeting. Um, one of these things, you might not have this issue, but one of these things with hospitality folks is that sometimes if they really have, are growing in their, as a team and getting to know each other, that they will serve together at a door and they start talking to each other. That makes me insane. I will tell you that. It makes me insane because this is what, so, so I actually trained them, be approachable and welcoming. Avoid facing other team members and holding a conversation. Why? 
I answer then, we never want a guest to feel like they are interrupting a conversation we're having with another team member. Focus on guests who are present and arriving. Body language should be welcoming. And I'd say chest squared to the guest, arms uncrossed, make eye contact and smile. So I don't have to go through each one of these, but I just do that because what I try to do is I try to break each activity down. And it can, it can do it in anything that you guys serve at. You can do this. You break each thing down in very bite-sized things. You tell them what to do and why it's important. Also, the other reason it's really, really important to start with something like this as a person starts is then it gives you a baseline for feedback. Right? So let's say you see, you know, week three or four or whatever, two months into it, you see these two people like uh, that are totally talking to each other, two team members. And you go, hey, you know what? Do you remember how we talked about in that training that we had that we want to be approachable? You know, so it gives us a reason to go back into feedback and to, and to help them be better at their role. Um, and then the other thing I would say is that as you're developing training, it's important to gather do's and don'ts from diverse people. So I need to know what is appropriate or not appropriate with some of our other cultures so that I make sure that we're not naturally being offensive to people that are coming our way. So just to wrap up, and then I'll do Q&A for anybody that needs it. Um, three steps that are important. First, cast a vision of what a church like heaven looks like. Intentionally create a diverse team by shoulder tapping. And then offering your diverse team specific training that includes skills that take into consideration from diverse cultures. So, yeah, sure. So first, cast a vision of what a church like heaven looks like. So if I'm wanting a church diverse, I'm going to cast a vision for that. And then, I, again, I have to intentionally create a diverse team because, in general, I will always naturally go to people that look like me just because that's what, I'm, that's what I've been comfortable with. So, um, and then you need to offer your diverse team specific training that includes skills that take into consideration diverse cultures. So... You're welcome. Any questions, wonderings, comments, anything you'd like to add to that that you found that works for you or your church? Yes, please. Robbie? We have a separate hospitality team from the first impressions or greeting. And right now, the way it's set up, because we just started setting up maybe six months ago, we've got two tables. We're going to end up with a different setup. But right now, it's been the same two that set up and stuff for that right now, but they sit behind, they like sitting behind the table. And we were just, I was just wondering if that wouldn't be better, would it be better for them to be doing something else other than just sitting behind a table? Well, I probably would. Um, we've always, I've always thought that sometimes, like if you have a table, it kind of creates a barrier. That's, I think that's why a lot of, mad, yeah, kind of yeah, that's a lot of, I think a lot of, Places, not just even in uh, churches, but lots of places now are trying to eliminate the barriers and be out in, in front. In fact, I'm a fifth third bank. 
some of the new Fifth Thirds banks, they don't have the normal counters. It actually comes a little bit confusing to me at first. I don't, like, like I don't either on that one. I don't know where to go. Well, and they don't give the women or and men somewhere to sit. Like, mm -hmm. They have to go sit up on a wall, and they see you come in, they run over to their thing. I'm like, that's stupid. Yeah. They should give you a chair at your desk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I think for me, like, right, so we used to have, like, this booth thing in, in front. We took that out. And we have people stand right there. We do have something that identifies them. Do you know what I mean? So uh, whether in one of the places of worship that I worked, we used shirts. But others, we just have a lanyard that's, you know, has a big thing that says, you know, guest experience team and has our name. So you want to be identifiable. And then also, we actually have two of our connectors actually stand under a big sign that says welcome. You know what I mean? It's on our wall. So that's helpful. Um, so, so I personally like as few barriers as possible, because um, you feel more approachable then. Mm -hmm. Unless you got food on the table. Ah, there you go. Yes, that's true. Coffee. That's what it is. There's, you know, coffee, different stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Just like on a regular table, but nice to sit behind. Them. Uh huh. You could. I mean, I would probably even. I wonder too. Like, is this the best way? I'm yeah. I would encourage them to at least stand. They're not serving anything. They just come up and help themselves, but they're just back to Yeah. Hi, I think. Yeah, so I, if they're not even helping serve, the idea they could just even not sit back there, but come to the side of the table and just interact with people. Hi, how you doing? You know, so. You know, you mentioned you had, they work every other week. Uh-huh. So I'm assuming you have two teams? Two teams, A team and B team. Okay. And we have two services, so we actually have four teams. Okay. So, well, how many people do you have on each team? For, because you, at, at people's churches. Well, yeah. So we probably have eight to ten um, at the my church of the church that I worked for thirty years for five thousand people. On each team was about forty. So it just depends the size. Okay. So right now you're you're saying eight to ten mm -hmm. per service. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not including ushers. So greeters, connectors. A few ushers, like the head ushers, but it just depends. So I'd like, you know, I. The thing is, I want two or three people at each door, because if I want two people at the door, and then I want a connector that can go and escort people. So I'm just trying to think about roles, what kind of roles. So it just depends on what your setup is at your church, and just literally think about the different roles, that, and then how many would I need at each thing to do the job appropriately. Does that make sense? Yeah. Was we, have, we have greeters at the door, but they probably were more, should be more like connectors at the sanctuary door. You have greeters at the front door, then we have greeters at the sanctuary doors. Yeah, so what we're trying to mix it. So uh -huh. there's some that stay, like the front doors, mm -hmm. especially right now. Yes. And we have a congregation that uh, is older. so. They need somebody to open that door. Those doors are decked. They're, they're heavy. Yes. Um, but then we're also trying to, we have a thing that's called Coffee with Friends, so we, we're trying to get uh, greeters to connect. Yes. At that time. Yes. Um, we we're lacking as connectors, like you're connectors, using, I think they, to walk to yeah. her table or even to Barb's table. Mm -hmm. um, and But we're still, we're still evolving. Yeah. But I just wanted to know how. Yeah, so we have greeters, 
And then we have connectors. So those, they're, they're the people that will stand back and notice as people are walking in reading the deer in the headlights and just like that. Then we have ushers. We'll have a couple people at the at the sanctuary doors and they'll help actually can you don't need to at the beginning, but they at towards as it's getting more full, then they can help find seats for people too. Um, so and like I said, we cross train everyone. So at any point you can be content yes. or a greeter yes. or as well? Yes. Okay. So, so we all fall in your yearly of those three? Yes, and we all meet together before, half hour before service starts, half hour to 45 minutes before service starts. And do you have security? We do. We do have a safety team now. Do they not? And they come with us too now. But that, that's a newer, a newer thing. Okay. Um, but yes, we do have a safety team that walks around all the time. And, and some of them, yeah, they liked it too. They liked it better. Um, that's why they changed their name from security to safety. Um, and, and that's really helpful too. So some of them are actually on our team that they won't go into church at all, but they'll stay after they've greeted people. They'll start doing rounds of the building in the parking lot. I would think those connectors, I mean, I'm, I'm a connector. Uh-huh. That's just what I do, but... That's even important. So you don't have a lot of guests coming in. You still have got those connectors can be involved with people that don't really maybe they don't that they don't get out. They don't talk to a lot of people. Yeah. But just somebody to connect to them. You know. Have yes. Hey, you heard about our life groups? You know, there's one. You know, I mean, just to keep them involved, not just standing there waiting for a guest to come. In. Yeah, we haven't done this at People's Church because it's a smaller environment. But when I was um, working at the Vineyard, that's the other church that I've was on pastoral staff um, we actually had and, and Willow Creek does this in Chicago they actually have section captains so if you notice this is a really interesting concept and I really would love to implement it more um, is that people almost always sit in the same part right yes All, it, it's, it's universally true not, anywhere too, not just in churches, but anywhere. So Willow Creek did this amazing thing where they actually have raised up section leaders that let's they say, oh, I'm in section 100, and I have rows A through H, and they hang out there all the time when people are walking in. And they notice people, and they say hello, and they and so we started doing it at the vineyard. And I would say it's not only good. Like so, what we this is really interesting. What we found is that you might have still people sitting in um, this row and this row, and they've been doing it for years, and they've never turned around and introduced themselves to each other. And so, really great connectors and section leaders, again, will not just introduce introduce yourself to them, you think of yourself as, I'm a networker, and I'm going to network, and the more connections, because you become what they call a sticky church then, the more connections that you make, your church becomes stickier because you feel noticed and loved and needed. So as many connections as you can make. So that's, I do that all the time. And then we have a, you know, a connection center that afterwards, you know, we say, hey, fill out the connect card. You can get a free gift. And so I am very um, 
observant, I, I tried very hard to think, oh, th like especially young professionals, because we live by the UC campus, and so, University of Cincinnati, and so we have a lot of students come in. Well, my goal is to, con before they leave that day, to connect them with another college student that comes to People's Church. So think of, your, think of yourselves and your teams as connectors. Um, and then help, and really your whole church should think of themselves as connectors. So, but you might need to help them with that at the beginning. Oh, so-and-so, here's this and here's that. Oh, meet each other. I think you might have something in common. I, I have to leave now. Could you guys just keep talking? I do that all the time. Oh, I'm sorry. I have to get back to my post. Could you, you guys just keep talking? I'll, I'll catch up with you later. And then they're talking and I leave. Ha-ha. <laughs> so... Any other questions? Hey, well, thanks for being here on the last uh, thing. I hope, I hope this time at Synergy was rich for you. Um, can I just pray for you really quick? And then I'll let you go. So, Lord, thank you. Thank you that really we are all connectors. Thank you. The job that you've given us to s spread the great news, Lord. And, Father, would you just help us even this weekend to be more observant as we walk into our places of worship about how we can connect people together and help them through one another experience your extravagant love on us. In Jesus' name, amen.